Hooray. Do you want to do the intro or shall I? Ah, uh, you can do the intro. What's happening, bitches? Welcome to Talk Hockey Radio. <laughs> Inmates are once again running the asylum. Taft's not here to keep us in check, so expect everything to go off the rails at various points. Yeah. Um, sorry for the enormous delays in us doing uh, any episodes. Um, let's pretend it's not my fault mainly and blame Taft because he's not here to defend himself. We don't know where Taft is. Um, he's probably in deep talks with Batcher about something. Um, so uh, we're going to have a short episode today. Looking uh, at England Hockey League and Junior World Cup, and then there might be some stuff that comes up under AOB. Um, we shall see. So, Fraser, before we get to all that, let's just jump straight to the most important part. How has your hockey season been? My season's gone good. Uh, I uh, copped for team captain for our men's first team for this season. Uh, we've ended up second in the league, so it looks like we're in promotion place. But as always with an England Hockey League structure, it's all subject to change based on who goes up and down from various leagues above and how they try to balance it out. So that's all something to see later on. How's your season gone? Um, it's gone well. I've managed to avoid COVID until now. So that's why I may sound a little bit bunged up, um, but hopefully nothing too untoward. Um, I've had a mixed one because I've taken my umpiring more seriously. So I have played a bit, um, played for a few different teams. I've played almost every position on the pitch, including I have played in goal. Uh, but yeah, uh, I pleased to pass my um, uh, Belgian National League assessment in October. And then uh, a couple of weeks, or more than a couple of weeks ago now, um, I did my first men's regional premier match since I was paralysed. And then following that, my first MPUA appointment and pass uh, not long ago um, for my MPUA assistant assessment. So that was nice. Uh, interesting to see how it's done in two different countries. Um, so yeah, uh, been a good season for the most part. At my club, uh, as I... I'm not particularly aligned with any team, really. Uh, it's just been good to see both our first teams have stayed up, um, despite a lot of disruption squads, uh, and to see a lot of the, the youngsters progressing. It's been very nice. Lovely job. Now, we've had a message. We have an update from Taft. Let's see what his excuse is. Right. Uh, he's doing okay. He's going to be here soon, apparently. So, should we move on to our first topic? Yeah, so first topic is what Taft's been up to with Batra and missed the start <laughs> of the recording. Uh, no, so in all seriousness, um, we have been recording while we've been away. So what is very likely to happen at some point and will confuse anyone who's not been in the recording session is that we have had a few running jokes in the time where we've been gone, which we might bring up and will make absolutely no sense. So just be aware if we make a joke and you don't get it, it's because you've not listened to every episode, especially the ones that haven't been released. And probably never will be. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, uh, yeah, should we start with the England Hockey League, since they've just concluded, they're fresh in mind? Yes, absolutely. So, uh, as you say, they've completed this weekend. Uh, we've seen all Georgians in the men, crown champions. Surbiton. Surbiton. Oh, I completely forgot the name. That's right. I, like, I can imagine often. the kit, playing all white, Surbiton crown for the women. Yeah, they um, don't do it very often, so it's... That's it. Like, the, the consistency's just not there. <laughs> Yeah, um, I was chatting with their captain, Sarah, if you go out, and uh, obviously, you know, it's been an interesting season, and uh, also with some people from East Grinstead, and they've really enjoyed the fact that it's been a very competitive season on the women's side, perhaps more so than ever, certainly in, in my time, paying attention to, to domestic hockey, it's, it's a lot more... Uh, keenly contested this season um there's not been too many fans of the split in fact i don't think i found any yet um i personally would like to see the playoffs return um and go uh home away for the uh, semi-finals and then do the finals either at a neutral venue or down in uh, down at lee valley or something like that 
I prefer Beeston personally. Um, yeah, they, they've uh, they've pipped it, um, and that's good as well because they've got the EHL coming up. And I think last time Surbiton were in the EHL, they had about three months off before the actual competition, so they kind of got obliterated. Um, this year, hopefully, it's going to be a bit easier. Well, not be easier necessarily, but you know they'll have a uh, a fairer shot at it. Although they are against uh, my adopted Belgian club of Gantois, uh, so I'm not sure who I should be rooting for there. Um, but yeah, what what were your thoughts on the on the women's side before we move over to the men's prem? Yeah, I think uh, similarly. I'm not too sure on how I feel about the split in the league. I sort of get the concept of it, but I'm just not sure how I feel about it in practice. Um, if you listen to the reverse stick, there's a an impassioned rant by John about his dislike for split leagues. Doesn't seem to understand them. But yeah, uh, hopefully, as you say. The, the league lasting a, a little bit longer will stand them in good stead uh, going into the EHL. Uh, obviously, you should support your nearest team. That's how it works. You either support your nearest team or if they're too nearby, you support anyone other than your nearest team. It's a, a magical distance. I'm not quite sure what it is, but has to radiate from your home club out. Yeah. And then on the men's side, uh, Old Georgians have won their first uh, Premier League title. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, they've they've been building for a few seasons now. I think uh, I saw an interview recently where they were talking about their five-year plan. Obviously, there's been a lot of heavy recruitment done by all Georgians. There's quite a lot of uh, strong internationals that are affiliated to the club. Uh, so even with a couple of them away over the weekend uh, on fun league duties, they were still able to pick up the, the result they needed because they have such kind of strength in depth within that first team squad. I think it'll be really interesting to see how their their summer spending goes in the, the transfer window going into their first DHL, whether they try to pick up any uh, any more players if they try and recruit from overseas, see if they can strengthen their squad to give themselves a bit more of a fighting chance, or if they're happy with who they've got or just try to invest in uh, strong UK-based talent. I think it, it, it will be really interesting because they do seem to have uh, a strong pull let's say. Yeah, I think, um, well, I don't know whether or not they'll be hit by any Brexit shenanigans on trying to recruit internationally. Um, I suspect they will if they're recruiting explicitly as hockey players, but if they can find them a side job, who knows? Um, like you, you mentioned about the players missing at Fun League. Um, Wimbledon, I believe, have registered their enormous frustration that the concluding weekend clashed with a Pro League match. And I think that's fair. Uh, either the Pro League match should have taken place a week later or two weeks later or never. Um, and then, uh, you know, allow the, allow the club uh, competition to conclude properly. Um, I think another thing that's worth mentioning, I remember seeing a lot of criticism on Twitter mainly, I think, about Sam Ward playing in the second or possibly even the third 11 at one. Um, in fact, I think he still finished top goal scorer, despite the fact he missed a lot of games due to injury. But yeah, I, a lot of people were very upset with him playing lower down. Um, but I think anyone who knows what an international hockey player is like, then they're not going to want to play down. It's not like they fancy going and bagging a few silly yeah. goals. Uh, they need to test themselves. They need to get themselves at the highest level they can. And if that's the highest level that they felt comfortable testing them at that point, then that's fair enough. And I didn't like this um, woe is me attitude of some people. And in fact, I'd have seen it the other way around if I was on the opposition. Like uh, at my club, uh, once or twice, uh, Gareth Andrews, who used to be our first team coach, has played against our lower team season, playing more for fun now, which is great. You know, he's, he's coaching at Beeston Ones, playing, I think, threes or fours at Peterborough. And what a great chance to test yourself against an amazing player. 
Um, I don't see anything to complain about. You know, it, it's not rigging the league. It's the fair thing to do. Give them a chance to build themselves back up uh, and enjoy the opportunity to to really see how you cope against one of the best in the world, surely. People yeah. like us going to moan about, I try to see the sunny side of things. It's also, it's a great learning opportunity for young players. Exactly. To get kind of eyes on in-game experience with someone of that level. Like he, if I remember correctly, when he was turning out for the lower teams, it was kind of as he was getting cleared back from injury. So it yeah. was kind of a, okay, you're not going to be able to play men's first team. You probably won't even manage the second team, but you can go and have a good run out and get a bit of running in your legs, a bit of match play. And I think that's something that he needed to get back into to kind of tee himself back up to play international hockey as he's slowly moving back from injury. Yeah. Because it's hockey's a very specific game. You can't really replicate the intensity of running around in a game in that hockey position of, you know, the low squat run that you're not going to do it anywhere else. You can't go in a gym and work on that. You're not going <laughs> to right, hockey stick and ball. Imagine going down treadmill. Aldi, just, just running around Aldi in a squat position the whole time. Drag sideways, sideways down the aisle. Yeah, drag flicking biscuits into the uh, the trolley. Well, there's an ad campaign I'd quite like to see. <laughs> Sorted. Yeah. Um, so going back to the point that you made there, the, the Pro League clashing with the finals weekend, it's just a ridiculous scheduling thing. Because not only does it clash with the finals weekend, it also clashes with the Junior World Cup. Yep. So there's going to be people who are kind of struggling to keep up with all of the games that were on. I think uh, on Saturday and Sunday, at one point there was two games on simultaneously um and then there was about a half hour gap and then again there was two games on simultaneously and they're kind of cannibalizing their own audience because people aren't well people aren't realistically going to be able to watch two games at once even if you're a mental person like me and have two screens with the fun league on and one with the junior world cup on that that's not kind of the normal behavior people tend to just watch one i agree well, at the other end of the table, there have been some relegation, uh, and there's also the Conference Division 1 sitter as well. Um, now, one of the big things that happened was right at the last second, I mean, it was, what, two weeks before the end of the season for some people, three weeks if you were lucky, England Hockey announced a change to the rules and were no longer necessarily relegating two teams, but relegating one uh, from Prem, and then in Div 1, South and North, bottom place automatically went down then whoever the best place ninth team would stay up and then the same thing in the conference so four conference levels number 10 goes down all but one of number nine goes down but the best place number nine stays up um what are your thoughts on that so, so what you're telling me is england hockey have done a league restructure and they've not thought it through until three weeks before the end of the season i'm speechless no, no I, I think exactly it's ridiculous. It I, I've said this for years, um, going back well before the restructure this time. I, I don't see how you can feasibly have a league where number of promotions and relegations is dependent on leagues above. I remember someone telling me about a discussion that was had many years ago um, between different regional league representatives where there was a discussion about um, to enable clubs to be promoted from lower league, they were just going to promote the lowest team in the league above that would feed back into their league. So in theory, if there was, for example, three teams from Yorkshire playing in uh, the National Northern Conference and they finished one, two and three, the team that came third in league could have been relegated so that a team from the league they'd go down into could go up. And that, that was a real discussion that was had. Again, 
many years ago but that kind of thinking i just find insane to hear about and like surely you would want to have about, it set yeah i think it came about on this occasion because they wanted to make it uh they wanted to make it well the rules said something like it was going to be a 10 team league but with relegations and promotions in mind that was impossible so it's compromised to 12 and it may be a reflection of the, um the turnover of personnel they've had uh that that this wasn't spotted earlier um but the, the repercussions are and also it's worth talking about the good things as well that happened. So I believe University of Nottingham men and women are both now going into Prem. Um, so particularly women have just decimated uh, their league. Um, some of the score lines they've racked up are absolutely insane. They do have a number of uh, players at the Junior World Cup. Then for the men, um, they didn't quite destroy the league as much as the women did, but they certainly did perform very well and were pretty early doors favourites to go up. Um, probably also worth mentioning both. They've got Charlie Axford on the men's team and Maddie Axford, his sister, on the women's. Uh, Maddie, I think, averaged something like two or three goals a game, which is insane. Um, <clears throat> and is currently over in the Junior World Cup. Um, and then, uh, yep, at the bottom, uh, I think the North Division One men quite set some time ago as to who was staying up, who was going down. Um, in the South version, Peterborough went down bottom. Uh, Sheffield stayed up. No, did they stay up? No, they, was, they also went down by one point, um, despite winning on the last day. And D-side uh, stayed up by one point, I think. Um, and then on the women's, it was also very tight in the South, with Trojans going down, Magpies uh, getting a reprieve. So plenty more Ed Sheeran doing a tour of the South Coast uh, next season. Um, and then, uh, I don't know who it was in the North. I'm going complete my blank now. I should have written all this stuff down, but my head's not quite in it today. The old COVID rattling around. Taft's the one who writes stuff down. I don't believe that's true. That's his job. <laughs> um yeah uh anyway i i actually had the pleasure of umpiring barnes uh women who've been promoted uh on saturday um it's probably where i got covid uh so thanks for that <laughs> decisions weren't that bad hopefully but i deserved it um but no they played really well super 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 fit team really good attacking um had a, a solid goalkeeper uh, and probably just need i don't think i'll actually struggle too much necessarily in the league above maybe obviously one or two reinforcements required because it is a big step up but they've definitely got a good good solid foundation um and then uh yeah did you have any thoughts on the division ones or the conferences or could be division twos as a rebrand call it the championship probably yeah i think the the league names definitely need some marketing influence to make them sound more interesting i'm pretty sure i'm in northeast southwest league 17 or something like that um yeah not really much thought on the uh, the lower league uh, i don't think um, a great job is done with uh, getting that information out through england hockey about who's going up who's going down how leagues are going how results are going i mean especially with gms it's kind of hard to follow some of this stuff you have to have the right link and know the right series of buttons that you have to press to find the results even for your own team but gms is another discussion to be had at another time yeah i will say actually on the ups and downs uh from what i've seen just in my board scouring the league uh state of mind the Northwest Prem promotion to national conference. Amazing fight between I think it's Liverpool Sefton and Bowden Twos went down to one goal difference point to settle who went up, which is you know that's the way you want it to go. You want that. I don't like it when someone just romps away and smashes it, gets promoted five weeks before the season's over. You want it down to the wire, nervously texting the opposition or frantically searching on Instagram and Twitter for any hint of what the result might have been. S sending a club representative to get their results. Yeah, yeah. Someone who draws a short straw enough to go watch. 
I, I've we've had it before at my club where uh, we had a end of season uh, a event going on and one person had to go off and watch the the other promotion rival and had uh, a FaceTime call through we had up on on a big TV so we could all pay attention to what was going on and whether or not we were going to be going up but yeah did I, you? Uh, we did yeah oh. but again it was down to goal difference I think yeah Oh, we had oh, yeah. an awful end of season one once at Cambridge where um I can't remember who, it wouldn't be fair to say who it was anyway, it doesn't matter who it was, but somehow we ended up having our end of season dinner scheduled on the last playoff day uh, for the relegation spot. So this is back when if you finished in ninth, you would play against the other ninth place teams. And then I think one stayed up and three went down or something like that. Or two stayed up, two went down. I can't remember what the, what the permutations were. Um, but yes, uh, unfortunately, our women had to travel miles and miles and miles away and then come back having been relegated uh, to the end of season dinner. So that was a bit of a mood killer, unfortunately. I mean, it could be slightly worse. It could have been scheduled for the day after. Well, yes. Although a, a Sunday night end of season dinner. That's high risk. Thinking, high risk, low reward. I was thinking more the game could have been scheduled for the following day. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, No, no mood like to be that. had at the end of season dinner. Yes, that would make a lot more sense. No one can drink because they've got a long away trip the following day. Yeah. Right. Anyway, shall we move on to our second topic of the Junior World Cup? Yes. Or the Women's Junior World Cup. I don't know. I don't know why yeah. I can't just put the other 21s World Cup. I oh, know you can't, can you? Because they postponed it. So it's under 23. So I think that's the reason. Yes. Anyway, so it's taking place, obviously, uh, sans Ukraine uh, for fairly blatant reasons. Um, at the time of recording, uh, Holland have scored about 43 million goals. Um, at 43 million and two. Yeah. Um, I think they won 18 nil earlier today. Um, although there was a lovely video shared of them dancing with the Zimbabwean whilst they wait for the rain to clear, which is nice. Um, England. Yes. So progressed. I believe the right. I believe that game was actually postponed partway through because of a lightning storm. Yeah, that was it. So interesting viewing of everyone off the pitch. There's lightning. Yes. Yeah. I I I first I I didn't know until I saw Celine stick a video up and was like, what on earth's happening here? Um. But yeah, they're uh. Well, you know, they might have lost eighteen nil, but they had fun. Um. Uh, England have they progressed very early on to the next into the next round. Um. The USA have also progressed, having beat Canada. Um, I can't remember who the other team is. It's progressed. Do you remember? Uh, South Africa. That's I believe. Um, yeah, so what are your thoughts on the Junior World Cup so far? There's a few talking points I think we know about. Yeah, so, I mean, good. Um, I think some of the teams are out of their depth. Um, we know the Dutch are always a strong team, and I think their, their goal-scoring prowess has been on good form with their 43 million and two goals that they've scored. But, yeah, there's been some, some good uh, games. I don't know if you've managed to tune into any of them. Unfortunately, based on the past performance of Watch.Hockey uh, and the fact they're now charging, I have not uh, decided to watch it. I would have watched it if it were free, but given how rarely it's worked, uh, even though it's only a fiver, I wasn't prepared to pay it. So I was all ready to come on here and sing the praises of Watch Hockey because it's been working. I've not had any single issue in the games where I've tuned in to watch. But in trying to pull up the result to discuss it, the website has crashed and the app has crashed on me while we've been on this call. So Watch Hockey giveth and Watch Hockey taketh away. <laughs> yeah, uh, so... 
there has been some, as we say, some some big score lines for the Netherlands. I think they've hit double figures in two games, possibly three. Uh, I'm trying to remember the Netherlands-Canada result. Unfortunately, that was a game that clashed with the uh, England-India match on Saturday. And so it was on in the background. Trying to find results on... So there's now Watch Hockey on Instagram. That doesn't seem to have very many results. There we go. FIH does. So today's results. South Africa 1, Ireland 0. Netherlands 18, Zimbabwe 0. United States 4, Canada 0. Uh, and then on, find another set of results. Right, Sunday the 3rd of April. Malaysia 3, Wales 3. Who I think have generally acquitted themselves quite well from what I've seen. Um, Wales is one of those teams who got popped in at the last second. Uh, India 2, Germany 1, Austria 0, Uruguay 1, Korea 0, Argentina 2. Uh, Saturday's results. India 5, Wales 1, Germany 10, Malaysia 0, United States 5, Zimbabwe 0, Canada 0, Netherlands 11, Ireland 1, 2, Friday. England 3, South Africa 0, Netherlands 9, United States 0, Canada 1, Zimbabwe 2, getting their first ever win at the Junior World Cup, Korea 1, Uruguay 0, Argentina 8, Austria 0. I think, oh, think that's it. Yes, it is, in terms of games played so far. Yeah, so as I said, there's, uh, there's a few strong teams in there and a few that are kind of out of their depth, um, which I mean... Is always going to happen. I know there's a few replacement teams. There's some countries not travelling for various reasons. Um, yeah, so we're missing mostly COVID, Australia, New Zealand, of Belgium. The three ones that stand out to me. I'm surprised Spain aren't there. Um, well, yeah. Maybe they didn't qualify. Yeah, the yeah. Uh, yeah, the Belgians withdrew on the basis that uh, it clashed with a domestic season. Yeah, and. I think possibly in one of the missing episodes, we talked about the them dropping out and that we thought it was a good move. I think, uh, dis- uh, again, discussions we've had possibly in lost episodes about the the movement of players out of domestic league, in some ways weakening it, in some ways hampering development of players because they're not getting those competitive games. Um, and like to- I was talking to a friend recently and he was saying, how do you estimate the value of for example a goalkeeper how do you decide who you're going to take into the the england or the gb squad if you're watching them play in the domestic league but all of the internationals are away on pro league duty and all of the under 21s are away at the world cup so they're playing uh, a b or a in some cases, even a C kind of tier team that they've got out. Um, I know that this past weekend, England have pulled out of their uh, Pro League game for the women against India because they couldn't field a competitive team with injuries and uh, a, a COVID outbreak, Yeah, which we're going to pretend that it's not Simon's fault. He definitely was smoothing around with the women recently. And I'm not saying he spread it, but I'm not saying he didn't. I, I saw them a long time before I got COVID. <laughs> So you're blaming them for you getting COVID? No, no, I'm blaming Ipswich. (laughs) They're annoyed. But yeah, so like I say, I think the timing of these tournaments, I think, needs to be factored into when the domestic league is because it it does just pull players away and hampers the development of young players coming through or in in some cases kind of hampers how you can judge because you you can't compare them to the people you want to compare them to because they're always away. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely get it. Um, I think it seems a fairly obvious thing. We just need to set aside international windows where the top domestic league and possibly even the second tier don't play. Um, you can carry on, you know, at my level, your level, I suspect we're unlikely to be affected by international call-ups, unfortunately. Um, oh, I, I did umpire a Gibraltar international the other day. Um, very keen to tell me he's a Gibraltar international hockey player. Um, 
aside from those odd situations, I don't think it will affect our level terribly often. So I would say, yeah, set calendar and the, uh, you know, the Prem and Division 1 or maybe even Conference. No competitive fixture when that's on. And the same for, for every country, just agree it. And that way the focus can be on the right place. And hey, I actually, I know some people disagree, but I think England hockey promoting Pro League matches not involving England or Great Britain is a sensible thing to do because we need to get eyes on the product so that BT Sports see that there is merit in screening these games. Um, I just wish they were on at slightly better times for us, but that's me being incredibly selfish because I don't think it's fair necessarily to ask, I don't know, China put the match on at a time that suits the English. So on that point, I did see uh, a post from was it Andrew Halliday about uh, one of the, I think it was the Premier League fixtures rearranged to allow the, the hockey to be broadcast on BT Sport, which I think okay. is a, a really good move for hockey as a sport uh, and very generous of them to, to move that fixture. So I think it was the Liverpool game from Saturday moved to a 12.30 start okay. uh, so that the hockey could be broadcast. So yeah, so... It's a positive step from BT Sport, who had some some involvement in that as well. Yeah, but yeah, I think for the the non England GB games, the uh, the coverage is sometimes a little bit off. Uh, I know in the past I've had a game switch from being on BT Sport to being on the BT Sport red button, which means that you can't record it. Yeah, and when the game is being played at two in the morning. It swapping to the red button means that I only got to watch the first half. Yeah. Wow. So, shall we get on to this weekend's fun league? If you like, yeah. Maybe that could be our first topic of AOB. So, did you manage to watch any of the fun league games with your no. gallivanting around, umpiring, playing, photographing? I'm afraid not. No, I was photographing the wonderful William Crystal and... Uh... Ben Dykes of Ipswich and I umpired Ipswich and I took my friend to a pub who was miserable because although they won the opposition complained and complained and complained they put a damper on it uh, and uh, and I went home and edited some photographs I had a very exciting Saturday so uh, the first Pro League game for uh, England men not GB against India uh, went to a shootout with uh, a penalty stroke awarded with I think 12 or 14 seconds left on the clock uh, which was converted by Sam Ward um, and then in the shootout it went to sudden death with a talking point that I'm sure will be brought up on FH umpires probably on Wednesday which who knows when this will go out if it'll go out um, so the England attacker runs through the goalkeeper comes out wins the ball collides with the attacker his helmet comes off the ball breaks loose the goalkeeper worried that the England attacker is going to get to the ball runs over and kicks it clear without recovering his helmet and so a penalty stroke was awarded and there was a lot of discussion online about whether or not a penalty stroke should be awarded which yeah. I found very interesting uh, yeah. the yeah. argument it was the argument the against argument being, a penalty stroke so the argument being in a game situation where there might be a crowded D that that could that rule makes sense of if a goalkeeper's lost his helmet they can't play the ball but in a a penalty shootout where it's 1v1, it doesn't make as much sense. I agree. So, I mean, like I say, I'm sure it's something that will come up on FH umpires. Yes. Well, my... my... I think it will tell us what the right decision is. A penalty stroke is definitely the right decision because if you look at the rules, it says that to be a goalkeeper with goalkeeper privileges because you can't have an outfielder anymore with goalkeeper privileges. They have, one of the things they have to wear is a helmet. There's a short list of things they have to have on, but one of them is a helmet. So if he kicks it, it's an intentional foul on the circle and a penalty stroke. Um, the reason 
for enforcing it still, I would say, at that, even if it's not in a crowded circle and it's in such an isolated situation, is the danger. If he blades it and twats him in the face, possible death. So he shouldn't be. And I know it's hard to say to a goalkeeper, oh, you know, forget about football. So for the safety. The context of it is part of the argument. So the England player was on the ground and made no attempt to get to the ball. So the goalkeeper ran over and kicked the ball away unopposed. Oh, I'm assuming unaware that the England player had not got up and chased after the ball. He'd kind of assumed that the eight seconds was going to be up before he would get the chance. Yeah. And so the goalkeeper realistically should have just left the ball and yeah. gone and stood by it. And only if the England player ran across and kind of closed down should he have risked, risked as in definitely given away the penalty stroke by kicking it. He should have just run over and stood by it. But irrelevant anyway, because the, the resulting flick was missed, which gave India the win. Oh, well. Um, well, it was definitely a penalty stroke. Yes. Uh, and then on the Sunday game, it finished 4-3. Um, and it was very much a game of penalty corners, as I think of the seven goals, six of them were from penalty corner conversions. I think there was one sort of from open play. Uh, and then in the women's, again, because I tried to praise watch hockey earlier. It's just crashed on me when I clicked on the women's results. Uh, the USA played against the Netherlands. Played against. And I think uh, we all know what the result is, but I, I can't give you the exact scoreline because <laughs> watch hockey has fallen out with me. I think it was 10-0 um, on the first day. Yeah, uh, I, I believe it was. Uh, I remember seeing something about them in double figures. Uh, but yeah, um, some, some uh, absences from the England team. Oh, it was only 3 0 in the first match. Sorry, I just found it on, on the Dutch Instagram. 3 0 right. on the first match with Freaky Moles and Fiona Morgenstern. He got two scoring. And then uh, the 10 0. Hold on a second whilst I find it. All right, this will take a while. Um, Yibby Janssen, Rene van Laarhoven, Yibby Janssen, Frederica Matler, Josi Berg, Frederica Matler, Lidive Velten, Freaky Moles, Jos, Josa. I don't know how to say that. Yusuberg, I had it already, haven't we? Yeah, we have. See if I said it different. And Yibi Ensign again. And 10 goals, a goal every six minutes. They play hours, don't they? Seven. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I was impressed with your maths ability. Dividing well, 60 son. by 10. <laughs> I got COVID, you know. Yeah, so uh, I think this, uh, if I can remember the point I was going to make, yeah, this game, I think, is a good advertisement for how the scheduling should be done. So an international break and playing a home game within your season. So the players aren't travelling, so you can have a, a one-week gap. They're not going to be missing for weeks upon weeks upon week, uh, as was the case, I think, with the first season of the Pro League, especially uh, for like the GB team. I think they went to Australia and New Zealand and were away for over a month with travelling out there, getting acclimatised, playing the game, travelling across, playing, and then travelling back. They ended up missing kind of four or five league games. But I think this playing at the start and kind of tail end of the season, so you're in the UK bordering on a, a summer climate, playing in early autumn, late spring kind of time would be beneficial. Um, what are your thoughts on, on these uh, results, Simon, having not watched them because you were off catching COVID? Um, I mean, to be fair, 3-0, that's not bad, is it, really? 10-0, um, yeah, that's pretty hard spank. Um, I think so, obviously, starting with the women um, from Holland, 
the, the fact that they're in a bit of a sticky situation with Dutch is an interesting one. So they've just had the report come out and their response. Um, I don't speak enough Dutch to fully understand it properly. I tried the Google Translate and that didn't help much. Um, so I'll wait until I've spoken to someone who does speak Dutch fluently to understand it fully. And then I might have a comment, but who knows? Um, although, I, you know, it's a shame to see that clearly things have gone wrong there. Um, so, yeah, they're in a difficult situation. So the 3-0 was a bit of a surprise. 10-0 wasn't quite such a big surprise. Um, and the men for, for England travelling to India um, didn't take everyone they could have done, obviously, because there's a few who, like Brendan Creed, for example, I believe stayed with Beerscott because they were in a relegation fight. I'm sure Phil Roper probably stayed uh, around your road. Did he, did he stay yeah. or did he go? Uh, he stayed. Yeah. Uh, I think Wallace was also. Yeah, because he's at Harko, say. Um, yeah, so obviously, you know, I think particularly the Dutch and Belgian clubs aren't going to be very tolerant of losing players at the end of a domestic season, whereas maybe the English clubs have less say because the bulk of the players' pay is coming from England hockey. Um, so that kind of dictates, you know, what you've got to do. Um, I think, you know, India aren't a bad team and to draw is a good result, especially without a full side. Um, and uh, then to lose narrowly. Yeah. I mean, obviously I haven't seen them, but uh, I'm hoping to catch some of the matches over here. I've applied for my accreditation so we'll see what happens so, uh, and in fact i think belgium are coming on my birthday that'd be nice to see them how are you going to spend get a nice cold your isolation <laughs> period catching up on pro league games maybe um so with the usa result i think this kind of follows a pattern that we've seen of the lower ranked teams in the pro league going back yeah. for a few seasons in the first game is a much more closely fought game um with in some cases a surprising result draws and shootout wins uh i know spain especially in the first year were kind of the masters on the men's side of battling through the first game getting to a shootout getting the extra point from the shootout win and then getting taken apart on the the sunday mm. game um do you think that's down to just the different level of conditioning or do you think it's the, the tactics are kind of thrown out on the first game and then they're picked apart by the coaches overnight and i think it's a combination you know particularly when you're comparing say the dutch in particular um and perhaps the germans uh on conditioning to most other countries they are much 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 fitter uh much more able and equipped to recover quickly um but also on top of that you know a lot right now especially in the last two seasons of, of pro league there's a lot of new players so there's not going to be a huge amount of footage available for some of them so you'll find what you can and can't do against them in the first game the second game you know go and uh make hay whilst the sun shines um and uh yeah <laughs> i really go at them uh, but that's, i think yeah definitely the second day a two day two get two games in two days uh it can be very tough on them and obviously a lot of them who go to tournaments and are regularly used to going to international tournaments where you play day after day after day after day they're used to it like i remember talking with a few of um being a great britain players when some footballers complaining about stuff uh having two two games in three days it's like well they have three games in three days um but they get used to it and they know how to deal with it. Maybe some of the younger players aren't used to that. Um, but yeah, I'm afraid I can't say much having not watched any of it, not even the highlights. I just watch the uh, the videos I stick on Instagram if I can. Hockey at its best. I, I think the highlights are up on YouTube now. Yeah, I think I spotted them. You know, when you've got nothing else to do because you're in isolation, you might as well watch the full game. Well, I'm working. And, <laughs> and turn up with detailed analysis for the next recording. Yeah, I'll, do, I'll see what I can do. 
Um, I had an AOB. What do you make of the new Wales kit provider? Uh, Y1 Hockey, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, they when I did the brand pitch episode, uh, Chris was talking about how they were really starting to spin up the, the kit side of thing. They were trying to promote that more. And they've made quite a few moves. Uh, they've got like Bowden. Uh, they've got uh, Bath Buccaneers, I think. Are on. Yeah, they do. Uh, and so this is their first kind of international team. There's a few links with um, Y1 athlete to the Welsh side. So yeah, I've got quite a few one of the the larger brands here in the uk so i mean i think it's a good move for kind of both if there's the same sort of um give and take that we've seen with some of the other y1 teams in the the push of the marketing from the y1 side of things uh, to help kind of promote the welsh team and their games and kind of feeding back into it will probably benefit y1 from a kit side of things to have an international team on board and i mean potentially they'll make a play for others as uh, the kit contracts come come up because they're usually tied to olympic cycles as far as i'm aware maybe you have yeah, a bit more yeah, insight they into that are. yeah we generally are um yeah i think you're, you're right on marketing is interesting i just checked so on instagram thirty-five thousand followers for y1 six thousand for for wales um so i think wales definitely stand to benefit more on the on the reach there but i i think it's good i i've always said i find it frustrating that basically most countries for a long time it was just three stripes in a different color um everyone uses adidas uh recently Osaka have kind of gone all guns blazing a bit on the club supply and again it gets a bit boring um <clears throat> it may get to that point with Y1 where it gets boring um but I think you know the quality is not bad and the, the price point's pretty good um so I've seen I've seen the women are wearing it already in uh the Junior World Cup um but I'll be curious to see what else they've got out but I wouldn't be against picking up a Welsh replica shirt potentially getting furlong on the back good old Gary um no, I'm to, wear to the Commonwealth Games as a supporter. Pardon? I said that for you to wear to the Commonwealth Games as a supporter. Well, I'm, underneath your hockey maker uniform, obviously. I'm, I'm actually, I'm currently bizarrely down to be at Edgebaston as a, um, a spectator services or whatever they decide to call it. Um, I, in fact, a lot of the hockey volunteers are not doing hockey. Um, I'm not sure what's happened there, and I can't find out to be honest with you. I'm not one for investigative journalism, uh, particularly on something as high profile as this. Um, It'll be Taff's doing. Taff will almost certainly be a team liaison officer. He's, yeah, yeah. Um, He's distributing other people around. Yeah, I need to have a word with me. Like, Oi, Taff. Never mind. Should have done. Um, anything else under AOB? I had thought of something earlier, but I can't remember what it was now. You're right. I normally write these things. Yeah, so you, uh, you're saying about the marketing. So it's not just the, the main Y1 Hockey account. They've also got a different regional account. Do They've they? also got... Yeah, so there's uh, Y1 Bowden, which is their... Uh, I was going to say pop-up shop, but it's not. It's a small shop at oh, a hockey club, which has got some followers. They've got uh, various different Y1 affiliate. Uh, they've got Y1 Sport, I think, is the, the kit account. Yeah, that is it. They've got uh, the Young Ones clothing account. So I don't know if they're part of this deal is there's going to be some kind of off-pitch gear for them to wear or not. I don't, again, don't know the details. But I mean, I generally know. speaking, you're expected 
for internationals expected to provide uh you know coats gilets trousers etc um and then depending on the country they might also want things like polo shirts and other stuff uh, not all of them do but most of them do in my experience of being sent tenders we haven't bought a tender in for many to be fair but yeah and then as i say i think why one are probably one of the stronger marketing brands especially through like social media and i, th- I think marketing wise they're the best right now well as i say they're definitely definitely up there as one of the best i think asaka aren't really doing it for me these days and also i think they're focusing a lot more on their core local market now adidas same thing every year adidas right. uh are big enough that they don't need marketing they just need to put out some pictures every now and again they don't have to do the fancy promotional stuff that other brands are doing yeah um as i say i think personally i i also think that y1 is probably the best but again i don't know if that's just because we are their home market and so we see slightly more of it if they're they've got a similar approach to as osaka's doing uh overseas maybe we don't get their adverts of brexit no well, quite sure where the brexit yeah. border is there is a is it, big important difference between uh, Y1 and many other brands that they're run by some previously very successful business people who I think making a profit is probably quite important to them. Uh, I so you were say they started off selling onesies. They did. They, they did. And they seem, from my interactions with them, they seem a very sensible bunch. So hopefully they'll be around in the long run and not just a, a flash in the pan. Because uh, a good thing I've always said whenever anyone asks about them is you never hear anyone really complain about the quality. Uh, certainly on the sticks, I've not seen enough of their clothing to know what people do or don't like about it but um on the sticks you never really hear anyone complain which is always a good sign no as someone who used several they've all been high quality not really got a bad word to say about any of them any other aob on your side i think ehl predictions um do we want to talk about the uh junior world cup paywall in any detail or do we want to leave it as the coverage we've put in already i think what we've covered already is fine i think a lot of people are in the same boat as me they won't risk it because being too it's, it's not been good enough in the past as i say um it's been working fine i've not had an issue with any of the games that i've streamed yeah. it's not cut out it's not been jumpy i've had a, a good frame rate um even when at one point i was streaming both the watch hockey app and bt sport app uh both on over wi-fi and I had more issues with the BT Sport app than the Watch Hockey app. So our last AOB is the EHL, the Euro Hockey League. What are your quick predictions for the winners on the men's and women's sides? Now, my issue there is that I've not really been tracking form uh, going into this. So I know who I would like to see get some results. I'd like to see the Serbian men and women uh, pull some stuff out, but with the, the opposition that they're up against might be difficult. So it's never a wise move to bet against Blumendahl. Um, so I, I'd probably say I'd, I'd lean towards Blumendahl on the men's side. Women's side, possibly Amsterdam. Oh, not Den Bosch. I mean, they've got Matler at Den Bosch, so it just depends exactly how quiet she's able to be kept. Because although they've got some other players, uh, it always seems to be Matler who pops up uh, and kind of gets them the goals. I know she's heavily involved in penalty corner, but she also scores quite a lot from open play. So I, I feel like if you can come up with a game plan to keep her semi-quiet, maybe you can give them a good run. Oh, for me, I'm Blumendahl at eight points ahead of Amsterdam at the moment in the Hof class. And for a very long time, being the best men's club team, I think certainly in Europe, probably in the world. Um, so I'll be backing them again with my Blumendahl top. And then on the women's side, then Bosch have had some interesting results recently. They lost, I think, to Serbia, which is a very big surprise. Um, probably something to do with having the best uh, fullback in the world in our tournament playing. But uh, 
I, I you know I have to stick with it. I have to go to Gantois. I am obviously very loyal to them. Uh, I'd love to see service progress well, but um, <clears throat> I, I witnessed uh, Gantois dismantling East Grinstead um, unceremoniously amongst other teams. And uh, I just, I think that unless something surprising happens, plus it'll be one of the last games, if not the last last game for um, Stephanie Van Den Bora before she transfers out. She's obviously a big part of the team. Um, so I think there'll be a lot of motivation on their side. Very disappointed not to be over there for it, unfortunately. Um, it's my sister's birthday. And she wouldn't like a ticket? I'm sure she'd love a ticket. Seems like a good birthday present. Yeah, you know. It's not your own flights, but used, here's a ticket to watch some hockey. Used to play twos for Hampton and Westminster. Maybe it'll reignite her, her passion for hockey. Probably a few beers might help. Loves a beer. Anyway, I think that's it, isn't it? It's getting late. Yes. Right. On that bombshell, knowing me, COVID riddled National League umpire enthusiast, silly boy Simon. Knowing you, massive tech geek, hockey stick testing legend, Fraser. Aha! I still refuse to do your sign-off. <laughs> I, know, I think yeah. it's funnier now that I just don't do it. <laughs> you just sit there stoic whilst I get through it. <laughs> oh, well. Right, there we go. Thank you. If anyone's listening, <laughs> cheers.